Well, our friends, when was the last time that you thought it was okay to break the rules? Uh, I wonder if some of us here may have actually perhaps broken the rules just in driving to church today. You know, maybe just going uh, 5 or or 10 or or 15 k's over the limit in order to get here to church on time. Uh, Maybe some of us have broken the rules by kind of downloading a number of our favourite songs and favourite movies. Uh, And perhaps some of us here even broken rules when playing uh, kind of our favourite kinds of games. Uh, I know a few people, uh, friends of mine at college, who uh, more than just bend the rules when they play table tennis. Uh, you know that there are times, uh, that there are these times when we think it's okay to break the rules and generally it's when there's not much at stake. Uh, it's when we think the rules are a bit arbitrary uh, and we're not, you know, there's not a whole lot uh, to deal with in terms of consequences. Uh, but what happens when uh, the rules uh, have to deal with something a bit more serious? Uh, a couple of years ago, you guys might remember that there was an incident in one of the construction sites in Sydney at the University of Technology, Sydney, one of the cranes had caught on fire. Uh, the damage was pretty bad, uh, and, and in the end, they realised that it was uh, that it had happened uh, because of uh, the kind of the guys on site not following the rules when it came down to crane maintenance. Uh, you see, in this case, breaking the rules had some uh, pretty bad consequences. Uh, well, in our passage for today, in Matthew chapter 12, we'll get to see something a little bit similar to this uh, as we see Jesus' disciples accused of breaking the rules. Uh, now, the rules that they're accused of breaking aren't just any rules. Uh, they're accused of breaking the rules concerning the Sabbath. Uh, now, I think most of us, particularly uh, kind of living now in the 21st century, consider the rules of the Sabbath that sometimes we read about in the, uh, in the Bible a little bit arbitrary and a bit over the top at times. I think we sometimes consider them like the rules of a table tennis game, whether it's optional or not. Uh, but I think to the first century Jewish person, uh, the Sabbath was vitally important. Uh, the Sabbath was part of the very identity of an Israelite. Uh, taking the seventh day as a day of rest and a day of worship to God was one of the things that marked them out as uh, different to the nations around them. Uh, It was an important part of the way that uh, the nation of Israel related to their God. And so you see, questions about uh, the rules of the Sabbath was no small matter. And questions of observing the Sabbath was important as well. I think in the course of the week when I was doing some reading, uh, there was a historical account of um, an army coming against the nation of Israel. And because it was was the Sabbath, Israel did not defend themselves. The entire nation was... uh, People from the nation were completely wiped out uh, because the attack had happened on the Sabbath. So seriously did Israel take the Sabbath. And so uh, in our passage for today, Jesus enters into this situation uh, and he answers these accusations that come against his disciples. Uh, And I think as Jesus kind of deals with this argument, uh, he deals with it from two main standpoints. So firstly, Jesus answers from the standpoint of uh, what we might call Sabbath authority. You know, who is it that exactly has the right to declare what is lawful or what is permitted, what's okay to do on the Sabbath? And I think secondly, Jesus answers from a standpoint of Sabbath priority. Uh, what exactly is the purpose and the priority in observing the Sabbath? Uh, and so those will be my two main points for today. If you've got an outline uh, within, the, within the outline, my, uh, my points are there. We'll, that will kind of shape our time together in Matthew chapter 12. 
Uh, but before we get there, uh, let's have a quick recap of what's been happening so far in Matthew's Gospel. And so uh, from the very beginning, Matthew's introduced us to Jesus as God's chosen king who is bringing in God's perfect kingdom. Uh, we've seen this as Jesus has been exercising authority over things like uh, death as he raises people from the dead. Uh, he exercises authority over the demons and over Satan. Uh, but most of all, Jesus has shown uh, his authority kind of climaxing in uh, being able to forgive sins. Uh, Jesus shows us that he is uh, God's king who has come to bring mercy to sinners. Uh, but despite all this, uh, we've also seen that not everyone has responded very well to Jesus. Uh, if you guys remember last week when Hank uh, preached to us from Matthew chapter 11, uh, we heard about the cities in Israel that had rejected Jesus. Uh, these cities were those in Israel who had heard Jesus' teaching and who had seen his mighty works, yet they remained apathetic. They remained undecided about Jesus and they ultimately rejected him. And so we see that Jesus pronounces judgment over them. He says that uh, the corrupt cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, Tyre and Sidon, they're better off on the day of judgment than these cities. You see, those who reject Jesus in the end will face a terrible punishment because they've rejected God's king. Uh, but Jesus also shows the wonderful good news of uh, those who trust in him uh, have the wonderful offer of true rest and relationship with God. Uh, that's the way he ends chapter 11, with a wonderful picture of uh, an invitation to come to him. And so uh, as Matthew ends chapter 11 on that note, uh, he then kind of transitions us into a, another episode in the life of Jesus. And I think here we're going to see more and more of people opposing Jesus, but at the same time a picture of what rest with Jesus really looks like. And so if you're following along in the outlines, we're at point two now, uh, Sabbath authority. Let's turn to the passage now, Matthew chapter 12, and we'll start reading from verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Well, uh, Matthew begins by describing to us, I think, the continued travels uh, of Jesus and his disciples. Uh, this time they're going through some grain fields. Uh, he kind of starts off in a pretty mundane and ordinary way. Uh, it just seems like another, another day for Jesus and his disciples. Uh, but I think there's one little fact that Matthew notes for us uh, that seems to instigate all this commotion that we're about to see. Uh, you see, the day that Jesus and his disciples were doing this uh, was the day of the Sabbath. And so the Pharisees, uh, observing these events with their usual keen eye, uh, come to confront Jesus. They accuse Jesus' disciples of inappropriate behaviour. Uh, they accuse them of doing what's not allowed to be done on the Sabbath. Now I think this reflects so much of the Pharisees' attitude towards uh, the law and towards the Sabbath. Uh, by about the time of Matthew, when Matthew records uh, the events that we're reading, the Pharisees had come up with about 39 different categories of work that were forbidden to be done on the Sabbath. Now, when you actually read the Bible and you see in the Old Testament, God had only made the, the statement that people were not to work on the Sabbath. Uh, it was as clear and as general as that. The Pharisees, however, were uncomfortable with the kind of potential freedom that you could get from that command. 
And so they added to God's word and they condemned all kinds of good things uh, that could be done on the Sabbath. And so you see, uh, the Pharisees had created a yoke. They had created a teaching that had become an unbearable burden upon the people of Israel. Uh, If you remember, this was exactly the opposite of what Jesus says at the end of chapter 11. Uh, You see, whereas the Pharisees' yoke was hard, Jesus' yoke was easy. Whilst the Pharisees' burden was heavy, Jesus' burden was light. Uh, The Pharisees only cared about following the man-made rules that they had uh, created, but Jesus was concerned with people being in relationship with God. And uh, as we continue along in the passage, we'll begin to see uh, more of this, and we'll see how Jesus responds to the Pharisees. But uh, let's pick it up again from verse 3. Verse 3, he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Well, uh, as Jesus responds to Uh, the accusation from the Pharisees, he points them to the Scriptures. Uh, You know, the Pharisees were the ones who said that they uh, knew the Bible the best. They prided themselves in their knowledge of the Scriptures. And now Jesus calls them out and says that if they had really known the Scriptures as well as they thought, then they would not have made this mistake. And so Jesus points them to two Old Testament examples of when the rules weren't followed as they usually were. Uh, But when we look at these Old Testament examples, we see that the people involved in these examples weren't condemned as doing the wrong thing. So Jesus gives two examples. He gives that of David. Uh, In 1 Samuel 21, we hear of David on the run from uh, Saul. And he comes to Abiathar, the priest, and eats the bread that is only reserved for the priests. And then in uh, Numbers 28, we hear of uh, the priests who serve in the temple who work even on the Sabbath day. Uh, you see, in both of these examples, Jesus shows how the normal procedures weren't followed. Uh, for David, in a time of desperation when he's on the run, he ate the bread that was not meant to be eaten by anybody else. For the priests, uh, working in the temple on the Sabbath were offering sacrifices to God so that people could continue to worship God. Uh, you see, these are two cases in the Bible where the rules weren't followed because provision was made for mercy. Uh, mercy is the reason why David, in this, uh, in this time of desperation, mercy is the reason why he was allowed to eat the bread. It's because of God's mercy to David that he can survive this time, uh, that he can be provided for, uh, that the bread was given. Uh, it was because of God's mercy to the people of Israel that the priests were allowed to continue to do the sacrifices on the Sabbath day. The sacrifices were the way that God and the people were brought together. And so it was God's mercy that provided for that. And so uh, in both these cases, the people are not condemned, David is not condemned, and the priests are not condemned for their work. Instead, in both cases, the priority was shown of mercy over simple blind rule following. Uh, Now, as big as an argument as that is, I think Jesus actually takes it further. If you take a look at verse 6, Jesus takes it a a step further by showing that it's not just mercy over rule following, uh, but he actually shows something of his own character, who he is. 
Uh, you see, Jesus shows that he is ultimately greater than anything else and everything else that has come before. Uh, you see, Jesus was greater than David, David, the greatest king of Israel. And Jesus was greater than the temple, the place where people came to meet with God. And so as much as uh, Muhammad Ali may have claimed the title in the past, Jesus is the one who is saying that he is the greatest of all time. Uh, you might be feeling the weight of this. These, these are astounding claims for Jesus to be making. Uh, in saying that he's greater than David, Jesus is saying he's the Messiah, he's the king, the one that God had promised to come from all time. That's a, a massive claim to be making. He's calling himself the center of God's plans for the universe. In saying that he was greater than the temple, Jesus is saying that he is God in the flesh. Uh, no longer would people come to meet with God at the temple, but now people would meet with God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if you remember back all the way back in Matthew chapter 1, uh, Matthew introduced us to the, to the title for Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. You see, Jesus is actually taking that title upon himself. But uh, astounding as these claims are, Jesus goes even further. He makes an even more astounding claim. And so you can see it in verses 7 and 8. Verse 7. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Again, I think Jesus points out the problem that the Pharisees have, uh, that they don't understand God's priority of mercy. Uh, Jesus quotes Hosea 6, and uh, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, the sermon on Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus uses the exact same verse and tells them to go off and learn this. Uh, clearly, they had not done that. And so Jesus tells the Pharisees that they are like Israel in the Old Testament that they are those who are only concerned with an outward appearance of religion. They just want to be seen as uh, religious good people. But the Pharisees did not care about receiving mercy. They weren't concerned with people's hearts being transformed. Uh, they believed that as long as you followed the rules, well, then you were fine. You were okay with God. Uh, but Jesus reminds them that God has always wanted mercy more than religion. Uh, God's priority has always been uh, relationship with him more than uh, blind rule following. And so uh, what's, what's interesting is this is actually what the Sabbath has always been about as well. Uh, if you remember, the Sabbath command was given in Exodus chapter 20 with the rest of the Ten Commandments. And the Sabbath was uh, both backward-looking and forward-looking. The Sabbath looked back to, the, uh, to what we read in Genesis 2 of that last day of creation when God was resting in relationship with his world. Uh, the Sabbath looks back and uh, looks longingly for that to come back. But the Sabbath also looks forward to a time when God promises that he and his people will be together forever. And so if you see, the, if the Pharisees had understood what the Sabbath was actually about, they would not have condemned Jesus. They would not have condemned his disciples. Uh, but you see, they were very much mistaken. And then I think Jesus reaches the climax of his argument in verse 8. Uh, he, sa he says that the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And that's a pretty remarkable title, calling himself the Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, that's, um, it's Jesus showing that he is the one who has authority over the Sabbath. He's the one who is uh, the one who can uh, give kind of directions and show what it means to observe the Sabbath. 
But in essence, I think it also means that Jesus is saying he's the one who gave the command in the first place. You remember all that? You remember all those years ago when Moses was on the mountain and God had given him this command? Well, Jesus is saying, I was the one who gave it to Moses. Jesus is claiming to have true Sabbath authority here. Now, again, I'm, I'm hoping you guys are feeling a bit of the weight of these claims that Jesus is making. Jesus is speaking about himself as someone who has the very authority of God. Uh, He's the one who has the complete authority over the Sabbath and over all of God's people and God's law. Uh, Jesus is the one who can tell us uh, what this means. He's the one who gives the right interpretation since he's the one who gave it in the first place. And so, friends, uh, as we see these claims that Jesus is making about himself, uh, how do we respond to them? Uh, We've seen in this passage that Jesus has spoken of of himself as the greatest of all time. Well, friends, is he the greatest in our lives? Uh, Jesus has spoken about himself as the Lord of the Sabbath. Well, is he the Lord of our lives? Uh, The kinds of things that Jesus says here about himself, you, you can't just brush them to the side. Uh, You can't say that Jesus was just a nice teacher, a teacher of good morals and uh, taught people how to live. Uh, You can't say that Jesus was just a prophet. The things that he says here are grand claims of himself. And so if what Jesus is saying is true, then what you do with Jesus, uh, how you respond to him has eternal consequences. Uh, Will we, like the Pharisees, continue to run things by our own rules? Uh, That was what the Pharisees did. They made all these little rules, uh, their own man-made rules, and that was what uh, kind of governed their lives. Will we do the same thing? Will we run life our own way? Will we follow our own path? Friends, will we humbly submit to the one who is uh, the great Lord of the Sabbath? Well, uh, we've seen so far Jesus is engaged with the Pharisees from the standpoint of Sabbath authority. He says uh, Jesus is the one who gets to set the agenda. Uh, Now we're going to see that Jesus uh, addresses the Pharisees uh, from the standpoint of Sabbath priority. And so again, if you're following the outline, we're at uh, point three now, Sabbath priority. And I'm going to pick up the passage again from verse 9. Matthew 12, verse 9. He went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? Uh, Matthew moves on now in the narrative and uh, he recounts for us how uh, Jesus enters into a synagogue and sees a man with a withered hand. And as we read, uh, we realize that the Pharisees are there also and they're trying to set a trap for Jesus. I think what's truly sad about this account, what's uh, sad to see about this, is that it doesn't really seem like the Pharisees are doubting whether Jesus can actually do this work. Uh, They have no doubts about whether Jesus can or even whether Jesus will heal this guy. Their only question was whether Jesus was going to follow their man-made rules. You see, no amount of proof was going to be enough for these Pharisees to believe. Uh, No amount of evidence, no amount of logic or reason They were obsessed with their own position and glory. 
Friends, I wonder if we know people like that as well. Uh, People for whom no amount of evidence uh, from the scriptures is enough to show them who Jesus is. Uh, But in verse 11, Jesus responds to the Pharisees' question with a question of his own. I think that's a common thing that Jesus does. He answers a question with a question. To verse 11, he said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful then to do good on the Sabbath. I think Jesus here, with a mark of brilliance, uh, shows the Pharisees their own inconsistency. Uh, He shows them that common sense would have led anyone to heal this man if they could, even on the Sabbath. Uh, Jesus presents for them this situation where a man's animal has fallen into a pit. Now, common sense would say that anyone would help that animal out of the pit rather than let uh, let it remain there and die. And I think it seems like uh, the Pharisees would have agreed with this assessment. For all the rules and for all of their um, debates about what what work was, what work was and was not permitted on the Sabbath, they were at least willing to help um, to help save helpless animals on the Sabbath. That was something that they could agree on. Well, Jesus shows them the even greater value of a human being. You see, any, uh, any animal made um, in this world has immense value because it is one of God's creatures. Uh, but Jesus shows that a human being has, even, uh, has an even greater privilege of being made in the image of God. Uh, human life is more valuable than anything else. And so if the Pharisees can show mercy to a helpless animal on the Sabbath, well, Jesus can do the same for this man. And so you can see Jesus concludes in verse 12, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So Jesus ultimately shows the Pharisees that the priority on the Sabbath was not strict rule following. Uh, It's not not about um, following the rules so closely, but it's about doing good. You see, behind the command... uh, Behind the command that God had given for uh, working six days and then resting on the seventh, behind this command was the God who wanted to show mercy to his people. Uh, The Sabbath was all about the good that God wanted to do uh, for his elect people. The Sabbath was to picture and to look forward to the goodness of God's rest that was expected at the end of the world. This was a rest that was going to come with God's kingdom. It's a rest that we've already kind of seen in the ministry of Jesus. And it's a rest that would come in its completeness when Jesus returns. And I think in verse 13, Matthew records for us a little taste of what the rest of Jesus looks like. If you look at verse 13, uh, Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. Jesus, without effort, restores this man's hand and he does good on the Sabbath. I think here in miniature we see a picture of what Sabbath priority is all about. It's not about legal nitpicking and uh, doing all these little rules, but it's about life and restoration. Uh, The Sabbath is about entering into God's promised rest. And if you remember again from last week, there's a lot of connections leading in from the end of last week's passage into this week. Uh, That's exactly what Jesus said. Uh, If you look, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, uh, verse 28 to 30, this is Jesus speaking. 
Uh, Come to me, all who labor and and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, the rest that Jesus invites us into uh, is the rest that we see here. It's a rest that involves the defeat of sin and death. Uh, It's a rest that involves a a restoration of how life is meant to be. But most of all, it's a rest that involves reconciliation and relationship with God. Uh, The rest that Jesus promises here and the rest that we see in part through his ministry is the priority and the purpose of the Sabbath. That's what the Sabbath is all about. It's about entering into relationship with God. But before all the... But uh, in spite of all the good that Jesus does, uh, Matthew takes pains to show us the terrible evil of the Pharisees. Uh, Take a look at verses 14 and 15 as we come to the end of the passage. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him on how they might destroy him. But Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Well, uh, Matthew ends by showing us the terrible hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Uh, They leave this discussion about what's lawful on the Sabbath in order to plot murder on the Sabbath. Do do you feel a little bit of the inconsistency there? The whole argument has been about what what are you allowed and not allowed to do? Well, I feel like the Old Testament would say you're not allowed to plot murder on the Sabbath. But here we see the terrible kind of hard-heartedness of the Pharisees. While Jesus does good in showing mercy and inviting people into his rest, the Pharisees do terrible evil in plotting murder. And Matthew's actually going to show us by the end of his narrative uh, that these murderous plots of the Pharisees will come to fruition. The Pharisees' plots will end with Jesus' execution. The evil of the Pharisees will lead to Jesus being uh, hung on a cross uh, and being publicly scorned and mocked in front of all of Israel. Uh, But I think in the greatest display of divine sovereignty, it'll actually be through the evil of the Pharisees, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, that people enter into God's rest. Uh, How remarkable it is that uh, it'll be through the cross that people come into relationship with God. So friends, as we uh, think about some of the implications of this text, uh, and as we see the rest that Jesus brings here, let me ask... What is the rest that we long for? Uh, you know, we tend to live, I think, nowadays in a, in a culture of workaholism. You know, we're generally stressed and anxious about all kinds of things all the time. Uh, whether it's the next project at work that needs to be done, uh, whether it's the next assessment at university, or the next program we need to organise for our children, we seem to always be working we, ever ne- we, we never actually take time to rest anymore. And I think as we've done this, we've actually lost, uh, we've lost, uh, we've lost sight of what uh, the rest that Jesus promises here is. I think uh, with a lack of rest in our own lives, I wonder if we've lost sight of the eternal rest that we're all meant to be hoping for. Again, that was the reason why God had given the command to Israel in the first place. One day every week, Israel was meant to long for that future. I think 
So much of our culture has replaced that with uh, trying to earn as much as we can and trying to work for as much as we can. Friends, if that's us today, I think we need to take up Jesus' invitation here to lift our eyes back to the rest that he promises. We need to see that what we long for most will not be met with the success and pleasures of this world. Our deepest longings for rest and refreshment won't come from holidays overseas or anything in this world. But the true rest that we desire and we long for comes in the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes with his kingdom brought into this world by the death, by his own death and resurrection. And so friends, let's lift our eyes to Jesus and Look forward to the rest that he brings. Uh, well, friends, as I uh, kind of wrap up our time this morning in Matthew 12, uh, we've seen for ourselves this morning that Jesus, uh, what Jesus has to say about the Sabbath. Uh, we've seen him kind of address the Pharisees on the basis of Sabbath authority. Uh, that Jesus is the one who has the authority to say what the Sabbath is really about. Uh, and we've seen Jesus kind of address it with Sabbath priority as well. Uh, that God's priority on the Sabbath is mercy rather than sacrifice. It's to do good on the Sabbath rather than to follow the rules. Uh, but friends, I think from reading this passage, it can still be a little bit tricky to understand how Christians relate to, this, uh, to the Sabbath. Uh, when we read the rest of the New Testament in places like Colossians chapter 3, the New Testament tells us that Christian believers are not expected or required to continue doing the Jewish law. Uh, all of these requirements have been completed by Jesus. Uh, the things that we were unable to do, Jesus has done for us. And so then how are we meant to relate to the Sabbath? Well, I want to leave us with two things to keep in mind, uh, two ways in which we can uh, be applying this word of God into our own lives. And so uh, the first thing is, I think we need to remember that the Sabbath command is only the shadow. Uh, the Sabbath command was the good gift given by God to his people, but it was only ever a shadow of what was to come. Uh, the Sabbath is the shadow, but Jesus is the reality. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ that we see the Sabbath actually be fulfilled. Uh, what, what people longed for in the Sabbath is only found in Jesus and so we need to re remind ourselves that we are not yoked to kind of certain rules to follow the Sabbath exactly right. Uh, we're yoked not to the requirements of the law, but to a saviour. So we need to remember that Jesus is the main game. Jesus is uh, the one that we need to be keep setting our eyes to. Uh, and then secondly, uh, I think another way we can keep applying this passage is we, did, we need to see, ne uh, see now the priority of doing good. I think from here we can see in the passage God's own priority of doing good. Uh, Matthew's gospel will tell us by the end uh, God's priority of doing good and giving up his own son for us. Uh, God has extended mercy to sinners like us by giving uh, his son over to death. And so Christians, I think, are the people who are to be marked by doing good and showing mercy. Uh, not just on the seventh day of the week, but every day. We should be the people who are inviting others to come and see the goodness of God. We should be the people who are always extending mercy to others and inviting people to see the mercy of God for themselves. And so I think the priority of the Sabbath in doing good translates into the Christian life. We are to be those who do good to others. 
So friends, as we uh, head out from here, let's keep these things in mind. Uh, as we head out to the week, uh, in the workplace and at home, help us, uh, let us keep reminding ourselves to be doing good and to be serving the Lord Jesus. Uh, how about I pray now that God would help us to do this. Let's pray. Hear the words of the Lord Jesus. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Father God, we thank you for the wonderful gift of your word. Uh, we thank you for your plans and purposes of bringing everything to rest in the Lord Jesus. We thank you for this wonderful invitation that he gives to us to come and join in his rest. Uh, Father, we pray that uh, the things that hold us back from following and serving Jesus, we pray that these things will be taken away from us, uh, that we would not respond with uh, our own kind of lawmaking and rulemaking. But Father, help us to submit to Jesus as Lord of our lives and as the greatest thing. Father, help us to be those who do good to others, who love and serve other people for your glory. And help us to be those who are always speaking of your mercy, always praising you, whether it's uh, at work or at home. Help us to be those who bring you glory in all things. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.